0: Hello and welcome to the Faith Seeking Understanding Podcast. We are currently, in a broad sense, looking at Old Testament wisdom. I was going to say literature, not literature, All the wisdom in the Old Testament. And specifically, since last episode, we've been looking at uh, Proverbs 1 to 9. Um, so in the last episode, we looked at how wisdom and the fear of the Lord, which we've discussed in the earlier episodes, uh, relate in Proverbs 1 to 9. And we we kind of... You, well, you proposed the model for uh, thinking about how, well, how, what did you say? You said wisdom, you like, fear of the law is like the first fruits of wisdom. Right, yeah. yeah. The fear of the law is the first fruits of wisdom. It's what uh, wi- uh, wisdom, which is associated quite closely with the instruction of the parents and the Torah that um, Yahweh gave to his people, particularly in a book like Deuteronomy, is being called to mind. And it's as the... Um, the reader pays attention to Torah, that they will see, the, the that that will bear fruit, which is the fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord. Okay. So what are we doing and in keeping his commandments? This so, episode. So we're still in 1 to 9. Right. We're still in 1 to 9. In the first, so in that first uh, Proverbs episode, we effectively looked at Proverbs 2 verses 1 to 11. Mm. Um, we saw how that mapped onto the rest of what Proverbs 1 to 9 has to say on wisdom and the fear of the Lord. Um, but we also spoke about how Proverbs 2 offers us uh, something of a table of contents for um, for um, this first section of the book. Um, and we saw how in verses 1 to 4, if you listen to instruction, then, verses 5 to 11, then you will fear the Lord and keep His commands. Yep. You'll, uh, it'll fashion in you the sort of character that God wants to see in His covenant people. You'll be upright, righteous, just, those sorts of things. Yeah which we see map onto, um, different sections of the, um, of the section of, of this first, um, collection in Proverbs. So this idea of paying attention to instruction of paying attention to wisdom, um, of the fear of the Lord we see elsewhere at the beginning of each instruction. There's this injunction to pay attention. Um, we saw this idea of wisdom and the fear of the Lord in the book's motto and one, and one verse seven, nine verse 10, it's sort of peppered throughout as well in, in a couple of, uh, a couple of other places. Um, But it maps onto these other parts of um, of the collection. What we're doing in this episode is moving into the second half of the table of contents. Ah, that's where you spoke about avoiding the bandit, avoiding the adulteress. We'll come to that. We'll come to that. The foreign woman, you said. Yeah. And saying, living long in the land. Right. Right. So this is what we can expect if we become the sort of covenant people that God is expecting then these are the sorts of things that we can see um, play out. Um, in particular, if you pay attention to God's word, God's Torah in Deuteronomy, becoming the sort of people that, sh- that he expects, then you will be able to avoid these particular evils that are happening on the ground in um, the post-exilic period. The post-exilic period. The post-exilic period. So when Proverbs 1 to 9 was written, uh was most likely after God's people had returned from exile. Okay. So, so <laughs> how then do we make sense of the fact that it says it's written by Solomon? Good question. So the when it says at the beginning of the book, um, these are the proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel um it's a title that's given to um firstly a title that's given to the book as a whole yeah. um so when we talk about proverbs just the, the genre of proverbs not the book proverbs yeah. um, it's the sort of thing that we were talking about in the previous episode where um a rolling stone gathers no moss mm-hmm. or um a person's heart plans are where but it's the lord who establishes their steps it's these sort of quips that the book has been known for that's generally what we think of when we think of a proverb OK. Um, so what um, is very likely going on here is that as the book is coming together, as the different sections of the book are being brought together as a unified whole. And remember, from the previous episode, we saw that these are uh, the book is made of different sections that the book tells us we're written um, in different times. We've got the probably also written by different people. Yeah, yeah. Well, probably Solomon, and then the Proverbs was Solomon collected by the men of Hezekiah. And yeah, those are two different time periods. Yeah, very late. History. Yeah, Hezekiah is much later, isn't he? Yeah, and that's not even taking into account Ego or Lemuel, who very well might have been fireless. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of their words are sort of being brought in. Whether they were fictional characters or actual people, we can talk about maybe in the following episode if if it's interesting enough. Um, but the book tells us that it's written at different time periods. Um, so probably what happened is that. Um, as it was being brought together, that heading was put on top of the book as a whole. It prepares us for um, what it's got to say and is in line with what it's got to say in Proverbs one to nine, preparing us for the perspective we should have as we read the rest of the book. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that first collection was actually written by Solomon. Right. It, it's sort of like a like, preface, right to the to the to the Proverbs, which like is normal for we say, like, this book is written by author X, but then the preface is written by another author. Yeah. Uh, and that's fine. Like, that's not a... Okay. The second is that having so much to say, it calls to mind what we said in um, another previous episode, that it makes sense that a book that has a lot to say about wisdom would call to mind wisdom's archetype. Yeah. Um The the key figure of Israel wisdom... um. Attached to the top of this book lends it a level of credibility that um, uh, that it might not otherwise have. Gotcha. Which, thirdly, might make us think of other books that were definitely not written by Solomon, like The Wisdom of Solomon, mm-hmm. which was written in Greek. <laughs> uh, it, <laughs> Solomon, you Greek? Um, come on. <laughs> <laughs> it was written, the, I mean, this was written in the inter- inter- intertestamental period. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, th- this idea of Books being attributed to famous people. Um, we'll see it in a slightly different sense than Ecclesiastes, but, mm. but books being attributed to famous people because it calls to mind a narrative. It calls to mind a perspective that the author wants to bring a, bring about in its readers or call to mind for its readers. Um, it's not an uncommon thing. It's not yeah. an unheard of thing. So it's not so far-fetched that something like this would happen um, for a book like Proverbs. All of this makes it possible for us to see that Proverbs 1 to 9 wasn't written by Solomon. But fourthly, the reason that I think it probably wasn't written by Solomon mm. is that this collection seems to map quite nicely onto the sorts of circumstances that we see in the post Exilic period, uh-huh. and less so what we see in Solomon's day. Yeah, stuff that would have been happening around Solomon's time. Okay, Which we'll see um, play out as we think about the, the two main sets of characters that we see in um, in this part of proverbs the evil men and the farm okay okay that makes sense uh so are we just going to go through them like is that the idea well, let's, like, start, let's start with the evil man let's just kind of take each group um to begin with okay and let's start with the evil man so do you want to read for us um Proverbs one uh 10 to 19 or oh, 8 to 19 okay Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. For they are a graceful garland for your head, and pendants for your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, Come, let us lie in wait for blood, let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole, like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us. We will have one purse. My son, do not walk with them. Do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths, for their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird, but these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. All right. So what's going on there? Well, just on the play reading. Yeah, I mean. He's subscribing a bunch of people like a bad crowd that uh, they have this um, apparently enticing thing like get rich quick by um, stealing from others basically <laughs> mm. get rich quick scheme and he's basically saying like don't throw your lot in with them don't go with them because even though there may be this um, initial you know despite the the temptation the enticement of it. Um, they're ultimately going to be, they're going to, I guess, reap the benefits of their life, right? They're going to be, they're going to, the, they lie in wait for their own blood. It's this phrase that he yeah. just going to say. And this idea in verse 17, it, in vain, a net is spread in the sight of any bird. I guess what they're saying is that these guys are even dumber than a bird, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like they know yeah. what their life is going to lead to. Um, and even a bird would know not to go that way, but yet they, they go that way anyway. Yeah. Okay. And in fact, they're doing it to themselves. Yeah, they're, they're spreading a net for themselves. Right. Um, they're oh, <laughs> spreading a net for themselves. Yeah. And like, okay. And the idea there is like, you would have a net. You wouldn't just have the net. You would have something that's in the net that would be enticing to the bird. But the bird's like, I'm not an idiot. Come on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so and then, okay. Yeah. So the bird's like, listen, I'm not gonna fall for that. <laughs> but the very next verse, these men lie and wait for their own blood. Yeah. They ambush only themselves. Yeah, they set an ambush for their own lives. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but just straight off the bat, it's this over-the-top, um, frankly, quite crazy steam of, come on, we're going to lie and wait for these people for no reason. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're going to ambush them. We're going to drag them down to Sheol. Like, it's this, take them down to the place of the dead. We're going to be, a, we're going to swallow them alive like a pet. Like, honestly. It, it sort of gets me wondering, like, would the sun be so stupid? <laughs> as to actually listen to them. Um, I think it's worth bearing in mind um, that what we're dealing with in Proverbs Rontanay poetry. Mm-hmm. It's elaborate poetry, it's over the top, it's vivid in its imagery, but um, it's poetry that is um, intended to persuade. Um, so Crystal Meyer, um, the way that she's put it, is that um, their function is not to aesthetically please, but to argue and convince and so it's giving this elaborate portrait of what these people are really like and painting them in such a way like obviously i wouldn't go with them because the author probes wants you to not go with them Mm -hmm. and when they see what how that maps onto their real circumstances hopefully when they see that they think that and so they don't go after it i mean this is a common thing and so you know we say think about adam and eve in the in the garden with the fruit right like there's two perspectives on it on there's two yeah perspectives i guess on on what eve does right so in the in the broader sense it's like oh well she disobeys the commandment of god yeah okay so don't do that that's that that kind of that's not a good idea right Mm -hmm. um whereas from her perspective though she's like oh well it's good for being wise and and um it's good to eat and be wise right yeah and and that that's the motivation that the the bible says that was motivating her and I, I mean, I often raise this to people when we talk about this. It's like, yeah, you never, I mean, as a Christian, you never like want to <laughs> go after something because it's against God's will, right? I mean, obviously, that's yeah. not what you're going to do. Yeah. But like, there will be other good things about it. And you need to be able to like take a step back and reflect about it. I mean, and they're even identifying some of the good things themselves, right? Oh, we'll have one purse, we'll make lots of money, we'll mm-hmm. spread it equally among ourselves kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yet, I, so you're kind of almost seeing both perspectives from this you're like shifting from the outside to the inside language and um yeah yeah i mean there's a sense in which we can actually be quite charitable to these thugs yeah and be but, like well i mean is it such a bad thing to pursue money the way they're going about it is questionable yeah, right. but like they're they're wanting wealth and actually elsewhere in proverbs it does promise um that well it does kind of portray wealth as this worthwhile thing to have yeah what are they guilty of, though? It is worth just kind of zoning in on that. What is it that? So obviously, they're they're kind of surface-level things that we can that we can um, pinpoint. Okay. It's wrong to ambush somebody. It's yeah. Do that. Yeah. Um, don't swallow them alive, please. Yeah. Um, but when it gets to the when it gets to the end, so it it's actually, unjust gain. Yeah. It tells us what's what's wrong. yeah ill gotten gain, unjust gain, those who extort for extortion or something like that. Um Botseyabatza is um is the Hebrew that I think that were something to the effect of extortion. Okay. Or um or the like. These are social realities that they're that they're that are being picked up on. People who are taking advantage of others um not unlike, I would think, what we see in Nehemiah. So Nehemiah five, um, Now, the men and their wives raised a great outcry against their fellow Jews. Some were saying, we and our sons and daughters are numerous. In order for us to eat and stay alive, we must get grain. Others were saying, we're mortgaging our fields, our vineyards, and our homes to get grain during the famine. Uh, Still others were saying, we have had to borrow money to pay the king's tax on our vineyards and fields. Although we are of the same flesh and blood as our fellow Jews, and though our children as good as theirs... Yet we have to subject our sons and daughters to slavery. Some of our daughters have already been enslaved, but we're powerless because our fields and our vineyards belong to others. And so we've got this picture here of... um... But just, sorry, the implication here is that Nehemiah is a post-exilic. We're in the post-exilic era now. No, no, that's worth picking up. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So the, 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 the scene that you're describing here is something where they've come back from the exile and... But some they're like almost creating like a feudalism, like some some of the Jews are um, like extorting the others. It seems like it. Yeah. So what what we should bear in mind is that um, when Nehemiah, we, we've got several ways of of um, of people who you return from um, Babylon, now Persia to um, Jerusalem, to Judea. Um, but they were still under foreign rule. They were still under Persian rule. Right. Persia still had control over the region. Whereas Babylon sort of took the elite of society and said, well, come back to our capital and work for us. And they treated them fairly well, but they took advantage of the the highly skilled in society to build up their own empire. What the Persians sort of did was to say, no, you can go home and you can go resettle in your lands and you can um, repopulate and um, rebuild your temples and uh, reconstitute your your... Um, your your religion and um, just pay us taxes and don't try and revolt against us. Um, So what we've got here is a a sense where um, they're in their own land, but they're not sovereign over their own land. Right. And they're still subject to Persian tax. And as you've got things like famine, as you've got um, these... Outward pressures from the surrounding nations that we can also read about in Ezra and Nehemiah, putting pressure on them to to do this or do that or to join coalitions or what have you. There's a sense in which they're actually under financial strain, political strain, and you've got some within the community who are taking advantage of the situation. And Uh, and I'm extorting. It's kind of like what Jews. So that's a similar situation to what you get in the New Testament, right? Like where you have yeah. the Romans over, and then you have the tax collectors and things like that. It's sort of a mm. similar vibe. Yeah, I think it was a, perhaps a little bit more institutionalized than the New Testament, though. Okay, I say that with a little caution. I'm not really sure. <laughs> um, there, there were there were differences yeah. about the particularities yeah, yeah. of that, but but yes, same sort of dynamics. Exactly. there's are not out of their own rule, um, but you've got locals who are just taking advantage mm-hmm. of the situation for their own gain, um, or the way Proverbs one puts it. Um, ill-gotten gain, extorting. Extortion. Okay, so these aren't necessarily bandits. No, that's no. I think that's what you—that's one of the implications here, right? This is just they're using the image of a bandit to, to describe the behavior of what could—I mean, it could be it could have been bandits on the side of the road, yeah. but it it could go all the way up to like your white-collar crime, your like any sort of yeah. extortion for ill-gotten gain, regardless of how you're leveraging the systems or mm-hmm. things like that. Okay, and I think that that makes perhaps make a little bit more sense to the rhetoric. I mean, if we were literally talking about a group of bandits, is the sun really that better to, to go <laughs> after people who are yeah. literally saying we're going to ambush somebody for no reason? We're going to go kill someone and yeah get their money here. Yeah. But if that's a caricature, if that's a... Um, when you see extortion, think of these bad guys. Would you go after them? Obviously not. So I don't yeah. do this either. That seems to be the argument. Okay. Again... What we saw um, from the previous episode, how do you avoid that? Listen, my son, to your father's instruction. Don't forsake your mother's teaching. They are a to grass your head and a do on your neck. So Pay attention to that, then you'll have the the wherewithal to be like, no, nah, I'm not being up to you guys. It, is the motivation in this warning to not go with these people because it goes against um, God and, and the parents' instruction? Or is it... Um, don't go with these people because their their life is going to be brought to ruin through their through this way of living. You know, like do you know what I mean? Yes. Okay. Both. Okay. Cool. So sure. I, I, as I was asking it, I was like, he's going to say both. Um, <laughs> but I think, but I think because they go hand in hand. Yeah. That there is this idea that, and you can see this pepper through the book of Proverbs, but elsewhere as well, like in Deuteronomy, that if you're the sort of people, um, I mean, we we spoke in the previous episode about how um, read right the end of Proverbs to. Um, if you become a covenant people that you're expected to be you can expect to remain mm-hmm. if you don't then you're going to be uprooted from it mm-hmm. that's the last resort that um that god sort of puts in place in deuteronomy there are a whole lot of other consequences that come first of yeah. famine of this of that of um your enemies will, will chase you and you'll be running away from a leaf you'll be so scared or whatever it is <laughs> um so the, this idea of uh, the kind of threat of death, uh, the threat of of um, of ill fortune coming upon you, I don't know, um, it sort of goes hand in hand. That it, it's it's a sign that God's angry with you. Mm-hmm. Not in a simplistic sense. We can't just kind of put a one to one ratio on it and yeah. be like, if you're suffering, then I think other parts of the uh, even other parts of Proverbs sort of call that sort of thinking into question. But that sort of covenant dynamic, that sort of correlation does seem to be there. Okay. In places like Deuteronomy, in places like Proverbs as well. Okay. So they, makes sense. Yeah, they sort of go hand in hand. Alright. That's the first set of um the first set of people that that we meet. Yes. These evil men, these um ex daughters. The second group is um or the second character is The adulteress. The foreign woman. Okay. Right So most of our English translations have um, the adulteress uh, the 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 wayward woman. Um, it's also interesting that the, our English translations aren't always consistent so sometimes yeah. uh, it's one way sometimes they put it the other way around the adulteress and foreign women all, sorry, the adulteress and the wayward women all, my, all yeah, my, in verse my two verse sixteen says, so you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words. Right, so the NIV has what was that ESV? ESV, yeah. NIV has wisdom will save you, also from the adulterous woman, from the wayward woman, no the way, most adaptive words. Oh wow, okay. I mean, how could that? Okay, well, I mean, they get yeah, okay. Okay, so so why do you we should, we should why do you why do you take issue with this? Break it down for us. There are two words, two two main words that are being used here in um, Proverbs one to nine to talk about this woman. The first is the Hebrew word nochria. Okay. From the the word nofri foreigner is the word that is usually translated elsewhere in the Hebrew Bible. Okay. Um fairly straightforwardly. Across the board, when it talks about a person, it just means foreign. Okay. Um the the other word um is Zara. Um so in, in Proverbs two um Isha Zara. Which is that? Two, two verse one? Um, two verse sixteen again. Yeah. Okay, okay. Um, to save you from Isha um, Zara from Nukriya smooth with her words. Um Zara is a little bit more ambiguous than Nokri where Nukri almost always means um, ethnically foreign. And when it doesn't, it's because it's talking about something that's not a person. Um, Zara is a little bit more ambiguous in that it could just talk about strangers more strangeness more generally. Okay. But when it does appear, then context can tell you what... Right. Context will specify what this word means. Right. Um, so, in this, so, okay. So, if I were to fix the translation, then it would say 2 verse 16 would read, So you will be delivered from the strange woman... Right. From the foreign woman with her smooth words, right, um, and because strange is a little more ambiguous. Yeah, the foreign, foreign is foreign is what gives yeah. it gives a context, gives yeah. a definition. Um, so the strange woman, i.e., the foreign woman, smooth with her words. Is it is there any sense in what I mean? Like why why have they gone with adulteress? That's like quite different from it has different implications than foreign woman. Yeah, well, I th- I think it's because. Partly, I think it's because of Proverbs six. So, if Oops. we look at um, Proverbs six twenty onwards, we looked at the beginning of this instruction in the previous episode, where there's this injunction to pay attention to the to the parents' uh, commands and their Torah, keeping you from your neighbor's wife. Wait, now, sorry, which was this? Was? Is verse twenty four now? Okay, six verse twenty four. If you pay attention to all this, then that'll keep you from your neighbor's wife. Now, that is less ambiguous. Right, that is yeah, just yeah. straight up talking about your neighbor's wife, um, and keeping you from the foreigner, from the the tongue of the foreigner, or the and um, the smooth talk of the foreigner. Wait, oh, okay, wow. Mine says to preserve you from the evil woman, from the smooth tongue of the adulterous No, you're actually right. It is evil woman. It is evil woman. Okay, I misread okay. that. Okay, um, <laughs> I was like, wow, they really. Okay, so the the confusion comes in um, with the with the spelling of the word in Hebrew. So, um, it's the word "ra," which looks like that in Hebrew. If you can't read Hebrew, um, you can see that the characters are the same in both cases. Um, But the word is ra, which means evil, which would look like this. Oh yeah, for those unfamiliar with Hebrew, the letters, that you see written over all consonants, yeah. and sometimes silent letters that are a bit weird. And then um, the vowels are like added around the consonants as extra things. So they're technically like optional, and you could get away without them. And that we did for a long time, right? Like the, yeah. um, so you can have the same consonants there and add in different vowels to get a different word, yeah. which you can intuitively think of in terms of English. Like take a, take a word and remove the vowels, and then you can add in different vowels, right? Like road and read and another read, you know, yeah, like those yeah. can give you different words. Yeah. And context will sort of help you to see if, yeah. like if you we were to say other vowels and like, okay, well, I'm not gonna cross the read. Yes, so, right. Yeah. Um similar sort of thing going on in Hebrew. Um okay, so the one way so to the, add the vowels in. If we go with ra with an a vowel at the bottom, uh, that means evil. Evil, okay. But that's if with the same consonants, we could also put Leah which is neighbor. Ah. Now the the reason that's probably not neighbor is because everywhere else um in um in Proverbs, uh that word for neighbor comes with um a pronoun. Like a fixed your, on like your neighbor. Fixed onto it, yeah. So usually it's um it's with a second person pronoun just attached onto the word. Okay. Um uh, as a as a suffix gotcha um so that's where that 's where the confusion comes in um but it probably is evil um' just raw. so from the um keeping you from or to to guard you from um the evil one from the smooth talk of uh, the foreign one. okay as this um encounter um, develops though we can we can see okay. What we've got in view here is actually a case of adultery. Okay. Um later on actually specifies it this is adultery. Um and then right at <laughs> the end there, for jealousy arouses a husband's fury. you'll uh, yeah. show no mercy when he takes revenge. Um he won't accept bribes, you know, what have you. Oh, we see that in verse twenty nine it says, So is he who goes into his neighbor's wife. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be I mean, that's a pretty clear Yeah. Case of. So in chapter six, it's, it's unambiguous that we do have a case of adultery going on. But that doesn't mean she can't also be foreign. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't mean that we can just redefine the words. Yeah, right. What I think is going on is that we have a passage like chapter six where it's talking about um, adultery. It mentions that she is a foreigner. Um, but foreign is then taken in a more metaphorical sense of estranged. Or um, uh, foreign to the value system of the covenant people or some such. Okay. That's Um, quite a stretch, but okay. Well, I think it's a stretch too. Yeah. Um, The more straightforward reading, I think, is just to see plain and simple, this is a foreigner. Um, Two things I think should be said. The one, um, just as as a caveat, is... The problem with the foreign woman is not foreignness per se. Mm, I was gonna say uh, we should probably clarify this. Yeah, foreignness is not necessarily the issue. Yeah, I think we can see this from plenty of other places in the in the Old Testament. Um, we, can, we can look at um, Ruth. Yeah, Ruth was a foreigner. Yeah, um, we can look at Rahab. Rahab, I was she say, was a yeah. foreigner. Yeah, um, we can look at Isaiah and um, the later parts of Isaiah, which were also written in the Persian period, which say that. Um, the foreigner who keeps my sabbaths, like, don't tell them to push off. Yeah. They can be part of. A, they can be part of this people. Yeah, um, they can be included. Um, the details of that might need some spelling out, but the facts of the matter is they're not just cast out and said you're a problem. Mm. Uh, foreignness itself is not the issue, and what uh, Proverbs nine is picking up on in calling to mind this foreigner is not um, just any old foreigner. I think the the way that she's depicted, it's calling to mind. Um secondly, the foreign wives debate of um that we see in places like Ezra and Nehemiah, that we see in Malachi too, I think. Um So the, again, those are the post exilic yep. documents and era okay, dealing with it. And what we have there is this worry that um the men of, the church men of the community were intermarrying with foreigners from um foreign women from the surrounding regions who would then bring in their foreign gods um, water down the ethnic identity of the community, and threatened to lead them down the road to apostasy, which we saw with Solomon. Nehemiah calls Solomon to mind. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. He says, "Look at what happened to Solomon. Can we please not do this? Yeah. Uh, you people can only speak half Hebrew. Like, <laughs> what's your issue? Um, it's. He's looking around and seeing this this um, this watering down of their covenant identity, and sees that as a concern. Mm. And Proverbs 1-9 picks it up and says, so don't go down that road. Yeah. Don't follow down that road. Yeah, so that can be connected to foreigners because God's people is situated within a nation, right? I mean, and that nation can have foreign people come in, in which case they're no longer foreign in the sense that's relevant. Sure. Which is they're no longer serving these other gods. Yeah. Um, and you could actually technically be a sojourner, a foreigner in the land. But if you worship Yahweh, you're not a foreigner in the sense that's concerned here. Yeah, it's the foreigner who... Takes you and and entices you to go after other gods rather than um, obey the Shema. The Lord our God is one. Like you know, He's the one who we need to get the the nation. We we need to be a light to the nations for rather than um, mudding with these other gods. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's that's one hundred percent the concern. And so what we have again um, in um, Proverbs five through seven is this concern that by intermarrying or by letting in the foreigner in a sense that it's going to water down covenant identity, that it's going to um, lead you away with the result that Proverbs 2.0 will be reasoned out of that. I think we're seeing here uh, the, and I think these two examples are giving us a, a taste, or these two characters are giving us a taste of the difficulty, I guess, um, of wisdom, right? Mm. Like um, in the last episode, we spoke about how um, its wisdom is, like, based in instruction, based in listening to those who know better, God and the parent, your parents came before you and so on, mm. and not going just after your heart. Yeah. Now, I think we could say, oh, yeah, in some cases, that's pretty obvious. Like, you know, uh, don't drink yourself mindless because that's going to be a pretty unpleasant thing. Or, like, yeah. uh, you know, don't waste all your money at the casino because that's a dumb idea, right? Mm. But here we're talking about, oh, well, I'm in a bad situation and this person's offering me a way to, like better my financial situation in a in a you know pretty quick way and like i need to do that i need to we need to get food on the table i need to help my family all or or like there's this woman that is really beautiful or you know switching it there's this guy that's really beautiful from another nation or whatever and like i love them and they love me and all they want is the good for me you know and Mm -hmm. things like this and they're saying no there's here we're saying like no i mean yes we can understand what you're saying like your heart wants those things but like Ultimately, those are going to be worse for you. Like they're going to go contrary to God. They're going to poison your relationship with God and yeah. and His people. And, and and so wisdom involves like being able to like stem those passions as well, even though those are perfectly <laughs> understandable. I mean, that's what we sing about ninety nine percent of the time in our songs these days, right? Yeah. Um, so that's quite that's quite a difficult picture we're painting now. Of um, even though they get painted in like very obviously bad language, yeah. like if you you can see that. It's perfectly natural to 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 want these things. It's, it's perfectly natural for the these to be the things that the the that the father speaking um, in proverbs needs to like kind of warn you about, right? Yeah. No, absolutely. That's tough. That's really tough. <laughs> There's one more thing that I want to that, that I want to point out to do with these characters. But before that, there probably is one more passage that we need to do business with, just on this idea of her foreignness. Okay. Um, the other the other passage that that we might go to okay chapter six is probably the most obvious that literally says adultery mm-hmm. but the other is that there's a bit of a contrast that's drawn between the foreign woman and um your own wife in proverbs five okay well at least that's what it looks like um so um proverbs five begins in a similar sort of way to what we've seen pay attention to wisdom yep um So that you will be able to avoid um, the foreign woman. Um, Just launch us straight into for the the lips of the foreign woman drip honey. (laughs) Her speech is smoother than oil. There's this seductiveness about her. But in the end, she's bitter as gall and sharp as a double edged sword. If you go down to death, then it's this this like it might be sweet in the moment, but it's going to lead you to death, man. Yeah. Um. And the advice that he gives instead is drink water from your own system running from your own well. Should just bring overflow into the streets, your streams of water um in public spaces, let them be yours alone, never to be shared with strangers. Uh, may your fountain be blessed. May you rejoice in the wife of your youth. A loving Do Graceful dear and goes on to kind of talk about um rather rather be happy with your own life. Mm-hmm. Um If that's the contrast, then, again, we can sort of see how somebody might be inclined to think, okay, well, maybe it's adultery that's in view here. Um, Maybe that's the problem. Maybe we should understand foreignness in this more kind of loose sense. Um, Oh, I see. I see. Okay. But this could just be in a context of multiple wives or a thing, right? Yeah, very possibly. The other thing, though, is that if we look at what's emphasized here... Um, drink water from your own system. Yeah. Running water from your own well. Should your springs overflow into the streets so that it is outside? Yeah. There's this in out language that's going on here. Okay. Um, so rather stay in, don't kind of spread outside. Yes. So that could be inside your marriage, but it could also just be inside the people. It could be inside the community. Yeah. 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 But then um, why does it say rejoice in the wife of your youth? Well, uh, that. Stay married to your Jewish wife. <laughs> don't, stay married to the to, to the um the woman that you um fell in love with okay. in the community. Okay. Yeah. Um, part of your own covenant people. Don't don't start looking outside. Okay. Stay inside. Gotcha. Um. So it's not necessarily. It, there's plenty of ways to read this. that don't imply necessarily adultery. I mean, adultery could be one of the ways that this could happen. But yeah. like, uh, you could divorce your wife and marry a foreign wife or something yeah. or. You could just take on a second wife or you could take on a concubine or something like that given the the time in which this was happening okay and look at the warnings earlier in in that same passage now my sons listen to me don't turn aside from what i say keep your path far from her lest you lose your honor to others and your dignity to one who's cruel lest strangers feast on your wealth and your toil enrich the house of another lest foreigners um feast on your wealth Uh, at the end of life you'll groan and you'll find yourself in trouble with everybody and it's just not going to go well for you Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but notice there verse 10 that foreigners are going to have this claim over you yeah um, because of this intermingling yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, that makes sense so yeah okay so this is just another underscoring the point that like this justification that might be given for translating the word as adulterous isn't it doesn't hold. doesn't hold. Okay, got you. So if if we can bring it home, mm. coming back to the the table of contents in Proverbs 2, if you pay attention to instruction such that you become the sort of person that fears God and keeps his okay. commandments, that will help you to, um, to spot what's wrong with these um, evil men and to avoid their schemes. It'll sort of give you the wherewithal to... To know that that's not the covenant ideal that's not what god's people should be mixing with and to avoid the foreign woman that uh, as beautiful as she looks as smooth as her speeches um you know not to go down that road because of the dangers that might lie on the other side mm-hmm. and doing all that then you'll remain in the land which they've just come back to in the post exilic context right yeah yep these don't stuff this up again how do we not go yeah how do we not go back into exile yeah. yeah yeah it's worth it's worth underscoring there um in the way that in proverbs 2 the the way that the foreign women and the the evil men are um are described it uses a lot of the same sort of language they both abandon something that they shouldn't okay um it talks about both of their paths and their ways yeah it talks yeah. about both of their speech yeah um the way that they're both introduced is in, in the same way. So as to save you from, or to to protect you from, this character or that character. They're both associated with death and trial and things, yep. Elsewhere in Proverbs 1-9, both both stories end with the trapping of birds. So at the end of Proverbs 7, it talks about... Oh, let's just go there. Um... persuasive words Proverbs 721 with persuasive words she led him astray she seduced him with her smooth talk all at once he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter like a deer stepping into a noose till an arrow pierces his liver like a bird darting into a snare oh. and with the trapping of birds like we saw in um, in chapter one yeah, where yeah. does yeah, any bird go into a net yeah um both lead to death um so there's there's this blurry line between these characters that um, there are distinct dangers that, that are being avoided in each case and distinct ways that these characters map onto this, to the historical context. Hmm. But also there are these blurry lines between them to say that um, these are the sorts of dangers. These are the sorts of things that you'll encounter. These are the sort of voices that will be vying for your attention, yeah. bringing you into this. What we'll see in the next episode is that there's another worst though. One that we haven't come across yet. Okay. Um, which is woman wisdom. Okay. Now there are a whole lot of questions about who woman wisdom is, but we'll save that for later. Right. Okay. Cool. Well, okay. So we're going to end it there. Cool. So thanks for joining us uh, in this second episode in Proverbs. Um, I hope it was informative. Well, I hope it was informative to you as it was to me. Um, again, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, click the subscribe button and the and the, the bell icon if you're listening if you want to listen to us on different podcast platforms. Um we're available on Spotify, Google Podcasts and Apple, Apple Podcasts. So you can welcome to listen to us there as well. Um, otherwise yeah, thanks for joining. We'll see you in the next one.